No PowerPoint tonight. No PowerPoint tonight. Reason is I'm going to be brief. And uh, otherwise, I'll just go click, click, click. So I will try to get you out of here around 6.30 so we can fellowship a lot together and eat ice cream. I, I'm aware that uh, we enjoy our fellowship. But it's always important to preach the Word of God, so we've always kind of made that an important part of our ministry. And on an evening like tonight, you just kind of feel like as the pastor walking out the door and exiting, it's like, I don't know if I have too many more words left in me for this weekend. Yes, I have a funeral in the morning, but... I just think it's time I am short and uh, we'll spend some time with you. In the book of James, it tells us something rather interesting. In James, it tells us that we don't know what tomorrow holds. Actually, if if I had a PowerPoint this evening, I would name it Facing the unknown, because our church has a little bit of an unknown going on right now. Paul and I have a little bit of an unknown going on right now. I know what I'm doing tomorrow morning. After that, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I will rest for a few days, and then I'll probably get a hold of Chuck Posley or somebody and say, hey, got any churches that need some help? (laughs) I'll I'll wait a few days at least, maybe a couple of weeks. We'll see. But but let's face it, first time in over 25 years the church will be without a pastor. That is an unknown. I think you are wise to talk to the pulpit committee today. I think uh, that's just a part of the wisdom of how we try to face the unknown. We need information. We want to know what's going on. And I know the unknown change can be scary. It is for all of us. Let's face it. I, I have plans for tomorrow morning. People are going to count on me to do a certain act for them. But I, be honest with you, do any of us have a guarantee? I remember Sue a few years ago saying they told her she had seven years. So she joked telling me, and she may have said it to you as well, She said, I felt like telling them, can you guarantee me those seven years? None of us know we got seven years, right? If somebody told you you got seven more years, some of you would be appalled, and others of you would say, really? I got seven more years? That's not so bad. So we don't know. It's the unknown. Change brings that. Well, in James chapter 4... We're reminded of verses 14 and 15. We don't know what tomorrow holds. 
I can tell you I got some plans, but I can't guarantee it. Verse 14 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. We don't. We don't. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, this is what we're supposed to say. If the Lord wills. So that's kind of our calling in life. Lord willing, Lord willing, I will do this. I'm always reminded of Richard Baxter, the old pastor from the old, I think he was the old Puritan pastor from way, way back when. I, I think of this often. I'm a dying man preaching to dying people. And that is the truth of the matter. I'm a dying man preaching to dying people. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ raptures us, and we don't know when that day will be. So, Lord willing, we don't know. So he says, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So we're going to do that. I, I like the little story I remember reading. came out many years ago. Don't know how true it is or not true. Maybe it is. A little boy... Mom always watched her boy like a hawk, you know. So the little boy was supposed to spend a night with their relatives, and he never did that before. And the little boy was really frightened, so it's time for the little boy to go and leave to be with his relatives. Suitcase is packed for the overnight and uh, they're telling him what a fun time he's going to have, as did the relatives. So, he got upset. And he told his mommy, he didn't want to go. And he, mommy, I'm starting to feel sick. I was feeling a little of that as well this morning. <laughs> so he's telling his mommy, mommy, I feel sick. And so the little boy persisted, and so uh, mommy said, I'm not going to make you, but you really would be having a good time if you stayed. So the little boy said to his mother, they told me we're going to climb this big hill tomorrow, and I've never been there before. So the whole idea of the story is there's a big hill for every one of us to climb. The church has a big hill to climb. I don't know how big my hill is to climb or not, but it's going to be a hill to climb, believe me. But you got a hill to climb. And we're a little bit like the little boy sometimes. We're a little frightened. And it's change. And we don't know that hill looks so big. And I've never climbed that hill before, Mommy. So, for a lot of us here, it's about that time. Paul and I were talking today, and we both said, Do you know, 
I'm not sure either one of us have ever voted to call a pastor before. Interestingly enough, you would think by this time in my life I would have been involved in the calling of a pastor. Now, I, we've, of course, we've been in ministry for over 40 years. I, my first ministry, uh, Paul and I got married while I was in my first ministry. And it's kind of a big hill to climb. She was from Indiana, around South Bend, Indiana, the middle of northern Indiana. And I'm below the Mason-Dixon line in uh, Maryland and Baltimore. So I had to take the trip out there and uh, bring my bride back with me. She had a hill to climb. We both did. And hills, hills to climb. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, what, when, what does that indicate to you when we say we're turning to Hebrews 11 class? Faith, right? All right, very good. In Hebrews chapter 11, look at verses 8 through 10. What does it say? It's about Abraham. You remember Abraham? Oh boy, he lived in a really pagan area called the Ur of the Chaldees and came out of this pagan area. God revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham was rather wealthy even before he started out. So this is what happened. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. That's faith. And he went out not knowing. This is, this is the key. This is a key, folks. He went out not knowing where he was going. That's what grabs me. He didn't know where he was going. How do you do that? I don't know where I'm going. So we venture into the unknown. We have like the little boy and his hill. I've never climbed that hill before, Mommy. I'm scared. It's unknown. Abraham said, I will obey by faith. I will go. Verse 9 says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. But he waited for the city. Isn't this a great verse? He waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I think we're waiting for that city too, aren't we? <laughs> that's that's a, kind of a known to us as well. That'll be another hill for us to climb. But we, by faith, know that we are going to where Jesus Christ is. And we believe him and we trust him. But meanwhile, here on earth, we take steps of faith, trusting in the Lord each time. I think about that a little bit, about these big hills that we climb and how tough they are. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, 
tells us, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. I like that. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He goes before you. He knows what's going to happen. You just got to hold his hand. Better yet, let him hold your hand. Believe. Trust him. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, we're told in all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he do then? And he shall do what? Direct your paths. That's right. So we're going to acknowledge him. We want him to direct our paths. We want to know where we're going. Hebrews 13, 5, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 119, 105, tells us your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One more passage. Well, let's make it two. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, right? I was thinking of that before the service tonight. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. I'm glad that he's the one that's guiding and directing. He turns sometimes where we're going in the right way we ought to go. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth the whithersoever it will. Psalm 139, though, that's the passage I want you to go to. Then I'm going to tell you a quick account of a, a man who became president, and then I will dismiss you. Verse 7, it says of Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? I was thinking about that. Can you hide from God? Does he not know what's going on? Does, is there ever an unknown with God? Never. Where can I flee from your presence? Jonah tried that. How'd that go? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, hey, guess what? Behold, you're there. Kind of the idea of the depths to the heights. I think of all these people that are wanting to take these trips up into outer space, and they think that they're leaving the world and everybody behind, and perhaps they think there's no one else there, but God's everywhere, and to the very depths of the sea. If I take... If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me in your right hand. See that? Who's going to hold you? Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, 
but the night shines as the day. There's no unknowns with God. And so we've got to be able to stick close to him. I think that's good advice for me. How about you tonight? That, I hope you take that as good advice because there's no unknowns with God. We realize that sometimes it seems, it seems that we are facing the unknown from a human perspective, but God will be there with you. Let me tell you one other thing. Uh, you remember uh, Martin Van Buren, he became president, right? In January 1829, Van Buren, who was governor of New York at the time, he wrote the following urgent plea to President Jackson. This is for all you historians out there. He was worried about trains, all right? He thought the trains were a really bad idea. So he said the canal system of this country is being threatened by the spread of a new form of transportation known as do-do-do, railroads. Seems strange in 2022, right? Well, so he says, the federal government may or must preserve the canals for the following reasons. One, if canal boats are supplanted by railroads, serious unemployment will result. Captains, cooks, drivers... Hostlers, repairmen, and lock tenders will be left without means of livelihood, not to mention the numerous farmers now employed in growing hay for the horses. Two, boat builders would suffer and tow line whip and harness makers would be left destitute. <laughs> Three, canal boats are absolutely essential. I like this one the most. Canal boats are absolutely essential to the defense of the United States. In the event of the, or, or the event of the expected trouble with England, I didn't know they were going to have more expected trouble with England in 1829, but maybe they were. The Erie Canal would be the only means by which we could ever move the supplies so vital to waging modern war. So finally, he says, as you may well know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled, catch this, at the enormous speed of 15, I'll say it again, 15 miles per hour by engines, which in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, roar and snort their way through the countryside setting fire to crops, scaring the livestock, frightening women and children. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speed. <laughs> well, the unknown became known, didn't it? And sometimes the unknown isn't so bad. Obviously, railroads went from one thing to the other. Now we live in a completely different time where it sounds so strange. I pray that God will 
take care of you, watch over you, as we enter in what we might consider an unknown time. We trust that you will be reminded by passages from God's word that he will be there with you every step of the journey. The hill may be there, but just because the hill is there, don't be scared of it. Go up the hill. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you'll do a great work here at Berean. Oh, Lord, bless the work of Berean Baptist Church. Help our church. Encourage our church. Give joy to our church. Help our church to uh, uh, just spiritually grow and perhaps numerically grow and that uh, the greatest days are just ahead. So help our church in a very, very special way, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.